So obviously going after Mike Norvell and saying that there was some miscommunication of not him messaging one-on-one with players. But from what we heard, and we were all over it that night and hearing about the situation, there were numerous. There was a group. There was more than a handful of players that weren't on the same page yep. as Marvin Wilson. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. The great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? We just like got. We just like got colors. Oh, see, I love Carolina Blue. I, I, I do too, but not on the shoe. We just like got I'd, the, I'd wear I'd wear it as a shirt, but not as like a shield. We got the entire Carolina player edition set. Ones, mm-hmm. threes, and fours. In your size. Eighty five hundred. For the three of them. I am gonna need it for about <laughs> you know that 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 I'm gonna need it for about two ninety nine. Two dollars ninety nine cents. Dollar general special discount. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Let's do it. Last one of the year. We made it. We're live somehow. Three, two, one. What is happening, everyone? Happy New Year's Eve, Eve, or just actually just Eve, Eve. I'm Logan Robinson from Here the Sphere, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We are here for our 61st and final episode of 2020. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with us, hanging around. This has been a wild year. Uh, crazy one. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, at least the football side of things, but this has been an insane year for both boards and off the field and you know, obviously COVID-19 impacted everything, but this has been craziness. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. Our 61st episode uh, with me this evening, Austin VZ, our lead basketball writer. Also, down at the bottom, Nate Greer, our lead recruiting insider. Gentlemen, we've made it. Will a meteor hit tonight or before the ball drops? We will see, but we've made it. I mean, it, it would honestly be an improvement over 2020. First, uh, uh, have you stepped up a level in your beer game and got to Bud Light? Are you drinking Bud Light right now? Do you see this? Do you see this? Yeah, man. I, I man. Like, could there he be went, a change? He went, he went from water to more water. I know. It's like... You know, you're coming up in life, man. This does feel yeah. like I am getting older. Uh, I'm maturing a little bit. The football season, mm-hmm. at least on the Florida State side of things, is over. So I don't need to sh- drink all that kind of strong stuff right now. Yeah. I really was going a little too far. Um, but the Steelers, obviously, things mm-hmm. are going to start getting a little bit more stressful. So you'll probably see a little bit more than Natty Ice. But tonight I had to bring out something. Uh, I mean, I needed a beverage for tonight. A, a, really. l- a little bit more. Uh, to know. celebrate. Yeah, 
a little, little so, bit more, you know, professional. So a little more, a little more elegant. Yeah, a little bit more mature mm-hmm. uh, for my age, and also Dustin's not here too. So celebrating in a different kind of style. Is, yeah, he's was, he's packing. Yeah, he's packing. That was his excuse for not coming on this evening. So, uh, so, so, so what was his engagement have. like? The end of his podcasting or what, man? I think that was it. For but it went, it went back like a month before that. I haven't been on a podcast with Dustin since before Thanksgiving. So he must have been planning it and knowing that, you know. <laughs> yeah, he you know, planned the a long break. Right after Thanksgiving. The handcuffs are going on. Yeah, he planned a long break, so that's Dustin for you. Yeah. This 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 podcast, this episode is going to be very interesting. We talked about it last week, but we said we're, we are going to fully jump into the 2020 season recap. Some of you might not want to do that. That's why we're going to do this at the near end of it of the podcast it's going to be have the most meat of it so that's why we're giving you guys time to go grab a drink grab something that's kind of strong i think you might need it it'll help out while you're listening i can promise you that or if you're at the gym right now go do uh, the worst workout of the day and get it over with while you're listening to that part but that's what we're going to run through we got some quick hitters talking about florida state's new defensive end uh we got a few transfer situations warren thompson's officially in the transfer portal Woo! Florida State loses an offensive lineman. Kane does off to the NFL. Uh, and then a few other things. And obviously, we're going to talk about Florida State basketball. And if it's officially fire ham season, Austin will, got, Austin will give you his take on that. And then we're going to run through the Duke preview. And then the best part of the episode. Recapping fully open discussion of the 2020 football season. Mike Norvell's first season. Uh, so... That, that is the gist of this whole episode. Let's jump into it. Florida State lands Jermaine Johnson, former number one Juco uh, from Georgia. Big boy. Was he 6'5", 250, Nate? Uh, big yes. cat here. Obviously, Florida State's defensive end unit and a hole is thin. You got your two twin towers leaving with J-Rob and Kendo entering their names in the NFL draft. So that opens up a lot of uh, question marks. What happens? Florida State staff uh, is ahead of things, and they're able to land a guy that some FSU fans and, and guys across the country weren't really expecting for them to do so. But big get mm-hmm. for FSU. It, it, it's a huge get, and it you know it, it immediately addressed their need of Fox. You know, with, with you know, Robinson leaving, and with some question marks on, on the depth there. Uh, you know, you had to like what they've done. You know, with that early signing class addressing the pass rush need, but they they're still gonna have to hit the portal for another guy to replace Kendo. But you know, getting getting Johnson in, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, he didn't play a, a, a super ton. He started two games for Georgia, but I, I know everyone's all about PFF now. He was the 30th most efficient pass rusher in the country for as little as he played, which is something that um, bodes well for for Florida State. Getting a guy who, um, like you said, is a big guy, college ready, um, and and will come in and ready to play, and will be dependent on to play right away. So you know I, that just shows how hard the staff is working in the portal. Um, they've done a great job so far addressing their needs. When you look at Milton, you look at uh, McCulley in the corner from from Arkansas, and now bringing in Johnson. So. No, it, it, it's a really big get for Florida State, uh, both on the field and, and just perception-wise. So, uh, 
very, you know, tip the hat to, to Norval and his staff for, for getting that kid. Yeah, that's a big boy, too. Um, and is going to make an instant impact. This isn't just a mm-hmm. guy that you're adding to depth, kind of like where you no. saw Jared Jackson uh, coming in. This is a different kind of animal and is going to in most, this is an certainly be a starter. Yeah, yes. he'll, be, he'll be starting against Notre Dame uh, yes. next season. So this is a big-time get, and it goes to show Norvell's been doing this since this last offseason, but he, he's plans – for kind of the worst in some situations, which in, in college football, you have to. With nowadays, transfers, guys opting out, you've got to stay ahead. It seems mm-hmm. like he and the communication between Kane Doe and J-Rob was good. He kind of knew what to expect in that situation and was able to. I, I think they were going to bring bring that in regardless if they stayed or not. Because, you know, they, they, they haven't done jack squat. And I think Florida State needed to address that position through the mm-hmm. portal. Um, so even if, if Robinson and Kendall stayed, I still think they would have at least brought in one guy, maybe two, because they, they had to address the ability to get to the quarterback. And, you know, when, when Robinson is your number one pass rusher with three sacks, rated as like the 90th most efficient, most efficient pass rush, it's just not going to get it done. So um, it was going to happen. Either way, in my opinion. Up next, Kimo Macanole. Hopefully, I said that right, Nate. I think I did. Um, Macanole. Macanole. Is decommitted from Florida State offensive lineman, three star per 247 sports. Um, had an interesting what interview a little while ago talking about that. LSU was his dream school, wanted to play in the Mm -hmm. SEC. So there was already some thoughts from Florida State fans and those covering recruiting related to Florida State that he really wasn't going to stick around under the staff much longer. I I, I could be mistaken. Honestly, I didn't talk to this kid too much because he really didn't talk much. But I'm pretty sure when he got the Florida State offer, he said that was his dream offer. So, um. You know, for for you know, Florida State, I think that it opens up a possibility of hitting the portal for another offensive lineman. Um, you know, I think that he had a really solid senior year and came on, and I think he's got potential, but it's not a make or break for, for Florida State um, in, in the future of, of FSU. So, you know, for all those people that were up in arms about taking him because of how low – in the rankings he was, or he wasn't a four-star, five-star. Now they're upset that he's gone. You know, pick side, choose which one you want. But, you know, it, it's not going to hurt FSU in the long run because they can address the portal and, and you know, bring a guy like uh, Tykeris Crawford, who, you know, is going to have four years to play still after starting as a freshman at Charlotte. Yeah, I was going to ask about him. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Atkins – Recruited him when he was at Charlotte, or what was what's the relationship? Do you know? Well, say that again. I said, do you know the relationship between him and Atkins? Uh, well, he he was at uh, UNC Charlotte after Atkins, so he did not recruit him. Um, but he also was getting recruited a little bit by Florida State in the previous staff. So, um, uh, I, 
I know that he's already had contact with, with Atkins. He's already been on top of him. Um, so uh, I'm interested to see if uh, how that plays yeah. out because I think that um, the fact that there are some ties there with, with coming from Charlotte and, you know, they can probably speak on Atkins and what he can do. I know he put on his, uh, I think his Instagram story, he replied that Arkansas, Florida, and Florida State are his top three at the moment. So be interesting to see because, you know, this kid was recruited by Florida State, was committed to Arkansas and Baylor, went to UCC because of grades. So I think now that he's got his foot wet, got acclimated to college, probably time to go to a bigger, bigger stage. So that would be interesting to see. And for listeners that might not be catching along, that's the name of who? Tykeus Crawford. Tykeus from Crawford. UNC Charlotte. Offensive lineman. So yep, started started six games, I think, at tackle for them. Okay. So well, another guy that's in the transfer portal, guys. Uh Warren Thompson, former Florida State wide receiver, has officially entered the transfer portal has had an interesting career at FSU. A lot of, uh, I think, the hype for him has come during spring ball and FSU camps and highlights on videos and everything and hearing highly of him. And most certainly has a ton of talent, but it seems like things inside the locker room and with both staffs, this wasn't just Willie Taggart's staff or, or Mike Norvell's staff, a lot of things went down between Mike Norvell or uh, Willie Taggart and Warren Thompson during his time Uh and led into a lot of miscommunication, I think, during his time. And let's not spend a lot of time. Let's not spend a lot of time on this kid, okay? okay. <laughs> let because it loose. I'm so happy that this kid has left Florida State, and I don't wish ill will on anyone. Uh, but this kid is a turd. Um, any kid from Armwood, Florida State should not recruit Armwood. I, I've long been someone who's beat that drum. Um, Tell me the last player from Armwood, Armwood that's been good in college. It's been a minute. It's been a, it minute. Be? it's been a minute for guys wearing number 11 at Florida State. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last few have just not worked out, even on defense with Robinson. You go back to George Campbell. Just These guys haven't really panned out. Mm-mm. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't pan out because the guy doesn't have it upstairs. You know, he has... Yes, get the. Uh, you know, th- th- this guy looks the part. It's a classic. You know, Tarzan versus Jane. Um, he's just a shithead. Uh, and and I, I'm really happy when you talk about wanting to change the culture. You know, this is one guy that had to go. Yeah, that would hurt the team a lot. This is a prima donna without any reason to be a prima donna. Nothing on the field to it, really there, change there, it. There, there's been no issue. Like, there's been nothing but issues with him this past year with Norval quite. And, and he gets on the field and, you know, I'm pretty sure he's led the country in drop passes. That may be a little bit of exaggeration, but, you know, what, what has this kid done for anyone to be upset about him leaving Florida State? Yeah. Nothing. So Florida State needs to not recruit Armwood because there's only been one player since, I, I shit you not, probably 15 years and that's Matt Jones, who played running back at Florida, who was worth a damn. Ryan Giddens went to USF, was a bust. Um, 
Byron Coward, number one player in the country, bust. I mean, Leon McQuay went to USC, bust. Bust, bust. Fuck it. Fuck Armwood. I hate that school. It's pretty interesting. You go back and look at whenever Florida State was introducing the COVID-19 protocols and everything, and Warren was pretty vocal about it going against the administration. And I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why Florida State would even go back to Armwood with how hard they they would keep guys away from coaches away from visiting that school. You know, I, I've heard numerous stories of where you know former coaches, former tight end. And, coaches and former recruiting coordinators will have to camp out down the street or, or two X's up on I-4 in order to try to get contact with the player because the coaches would try to block contact with Florida State. So Armwood can, can eat a dick. Yeah. So you're saying that... Warren Thompson not, is the epitome of Armwood. So I'm not really understanding this, though, Nate. Are you saying that you're not a fan of Armwood? Yes. I'm not a fan of Armwood. <laughs> okay? I can tell. Yeah. I am not a I'm not a fan of Armwood. Any I was not a fan of Warren Thompson coming out of out of high school. Yeah. Well, I was I, looking. I, I, I didn't like to take then. Um just because of I, also off of personality and just, ego? Just, as per, just as a person, I, I just didn't like the kid. I'm sorry. Um and, and I you know, just where he's coming from. I think the best thing that 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 Hall kid who's going to Alabama, the best thing they could have done was leaving Armwood, and, and you know maybe he'll turn into someone in college. Yeah, I just look back at whenever the COVID nineteen thing was going on, and he went public and saying that he didn't feel like the communication between them and the players yeah. and the admin was right, and he went public with it, letting out a notice and tweeting about it, and then an hour later, five or six current players on his team were practically going against what he was saying yeah, and saying they that, felt that's comfortable. How he is. Yeah, and they felt comfortable under the Florida State administration and Mike Novell and the staff. And, and then I, I, we I didn't hope, really hear I hope his else. mom hears it too. You know, his, you know, she's very vocal about, you know, everything on, on, on Twitter. So, you know, sometimes you got to look in the mirror and realize the reason why you're a fucking bus is because you know, you don't know how to work. Well, there you have it. That should be the title of the podcast. Uh, Joshua Kendo has entered the NFL draft. Like we said earlier, both defensive ends, starting defensive ends are gone for Florida State heading into next season. J-Rob and Kendo are hoping to have some uh, promise in the NFL. And he's out of here. Not much really of a shocker on this one, in my opinion. Kind of had a quiet year. A lot of people were excited for him, though. I guess the biggest thing for him is he stayed healthy for majority of the season, I would say. And that, that's a plus. That's a big win in his books, honestly, if you're mm-hmm. talking to scouts. I mean, that's been a struggle for his, his entire career for the state. But he's off to the NFL draft. Now, I'd be interested to see how – he does with the physicals, you know, with, with, with all the doctor visits and everything getting checked out. Okay. I mean, the guy's got potential, you know. There's going to be yeah. some team that gets enamored with his size 
and you know, with yeah, him since high school. Yeah, you know, with him on the hoof, someone's going to get enticed by it and draft him. Yeah, if um, someone can get him right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy. And you know, you look at Josh Sweat in Philadelphia. You know, it's really good to see him. You know, having a solid year this year. So it's all about health. You know. Yeah, most certainly. If you look at two, I mean, he's not on the same level as maybe Brian Burns, but I feel like a lot of these guys, before to say this hat are tall, lanky, but for Kendo, he's got more build on him. And if an mm-hmm. NFL team can get him right, work him in the technique that they feel is uh, going to be productive and make plays, I, I think he might have a, have a lasting career there. We'll, we'll be interesting to see a lot of these guys in NFL draft. We, we've got a lot to cover whenever that comes around, but mm-hmm. uh, the key, Component of this is that Florida State is going to lose both starting defensive ends heading in the next season. And as we talked about, Jermaine Johnson's going to come in and fill one of those roles. Uh, Justin Rice, 6'1, 215, inside linebacker, Nate. You were talking to me. 235, my bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you were telling me that there should there might be some potential for Florida State to land this cat. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's down to Florida State and some big 10, big 10 schools. Um, so I, I, I know that, uh, Florida state's really working hard on this one. Um, great offer. Um, uh, he, he produced at Fresno state, then, then transferred to Arkansas state and had a really solid gear. Uh, you know, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I think he had like seven sacks, a bunch of tackles. Um, you know, when you watch his, watch his highlights, you know, he, gets to the ball quicker than anyone on Florida State's roster does right now. And, and he looks like he's a smart player uh, and you know, has that motor. And it's just a good linebacker. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if he can cover in the ACC. Um, you know, I, I think that's why he, I, I agree with Steve over at a, on Concord Talk. I think he'd be a middle linebacker for Florida State. Um, I think if he wants to play outside, he needs to go to the Big Ten. I do question a little bit of him covering space, but I do think that uh, bringing him on will be a, another upgrade that this uh, coaching staff can make. So, and actually ended up being a semifinalist for uh, the Ben Eric Award. I probably completely just forged that, but the award given to the nation's best defensive player. Yep. Um, had He's a good linebacker. Tackles for loss. Yep. Yep. Seven sacks, I think. Yep. Seven sacks, 10 games he played, 76 tackles. Um, Obviously, either way, if you're looking at a linebacker situation, you know, Florida State Mm -hmm. would probably like him, but like Nate said, and space would be a question in the ACC. Uh, But I'll be someone to keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks or so. I I think it would be a home run for Florida State to land him. You have two Rices back there with Emmett and Justin. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing that I'm looking at there. That's what I, that's my uh, film right there. Uh, Corbin Gaynor and Sheffield seem to be pretty vocal right now on social media going after some recruiting targets. Let's see, as we've seen, they've been tweeting all around the space at a few guys and eight. Um, Gainer's always kind of taken this role since the beginning, since he was getting mm-hmm. recruited at Florida State. 
and Sheffield's always been very vocal and, you know, mm-hmm. pro on anything related to recruiting. Mm-hmm. Corbin's jumping in also, but it's nice to see that, but could it end up happening for a few, but it's just a good sign to see some current players, which in Florida state's time right now, you need these, you know, you need these guys to step up. Definitely a guy like mm-hmm. Gaynor, who's obviously done what he's needed done so far through his career. Yeah, it's good to see. And I think it kind of goes against the notion that, that, you know, people don't like or players don't like playing for Norval. You know, I think people are misconstruing the message of, of all these transfers that, you know, there's something going on in Tallahassee when you know, a purge had to happen. You know, this had to happen in order to to reset the roster to to get back on, on the right track. So, you know, you can't have it both ways, unfortunately. Um, you know, you, you look at, I, I, in my opinion, I think that would be more of a thought to have with Penn State, who's had a coaching staff now for multiple years, and guys are up and leaving there in, in, in droves. So, you know, for, for you know, your upperclassmen and guys who you perceive or want to be leaders to be all over social media, trying to get guys to help get the, the ship right in, it, it's really good to see. Then, you know, we had uh, Joshua Farmer and Shambri Jackson on, on Conquer Talk last night doing a Q&A with them. And, you know, they even kind of mentioned that, you know, seeing the the older guys really pushing for these portal guys to really make a an impact next year uh, and, and feeling that, you know, the direction is going to get fixed and, you know, 48 will be back sooner than later. So that's what's going to take. It's gonna. It's gonna take a lot, a lot. But you know, this is just a start, man. It's just. It's a starting point. It's an opposite of when we saw guys bitching and moaning, like you said on Twitter and Instagram earlier in the season about miscommunication on protocols or you know messages about whatever with Marvin Wilson. So you know, it, 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 it's a complete 180, and it's good to see. Yeah, no, it's positive signs. You want that. You want guys being able to be vocal and be positive about the coaching staff that you have and these and, players and, now. And it's not just and, these three. There's others, too. And, and just listening to the, you know, you talk to the recruits, you talk to some of these players, you know, Norvell ain't about the bullshit. You know, he's he, he he's got a plan, and, and he's not going to let, let anything stand in his way. So, you know, they're really appreciative of, you know, the, I don't want to say bluntness, but, you know, Norvell can be blunt and, you know, he's going to convey his message how he needs to convey it, um, whether it's, you know, positive with, you know, it's a proverbial shit sandwich or if it's all positive or all negative, he's going to convey the message and he's going to get what he wants from these players one way or another. So I like it. People need to relax on Norvell. We've got a little discussion for that and just a little bit and a few. First, let's jump yep. into basketball. Woo! Awesome. What's going on? People are freaking out. The Discord's fire ham, fire ham. Twitter's in shambles. <laughs> Nate's coming into the production meeting saying fire ham, first thing he said. <laughs> Florida, nah. State, Florida State loses 77 <laughs> to 67 up there in uh, about said Death Valley, but practically in Clemson, Florida State moves to five and two on the season. Clemson seven and one, uh, and looks like they have some promise this 
upcoming season. But should Florida State fans really, really be worried, Austin? Yeah, let's not get it twisted. Clemson's a really good basketball team. I mean, even though they came in 6-1 and one with their one loss being at Virginia Tech, it was the same kind of game we just saw last night. Virginia Tech shot three times as many free throws as Clemson did, and they lost a close one. Same thing happened in Florida State. Clemson, Clemson game, Clemson shoots 33 free throws to Florida State's nine, and I never want to see Teddy Valentine on my TV screen again. That's basically mm-hmm. what it comes down to. We outshot them from the floor. Yeah, we turned it over 16 times, but Clemson turned it over 12 times. It's not a huge difference. And then they, they beat us on the glass, especially offense on the offensive glass. They were able to clean up some of their misses, but if it's not for hitting 24, 33 free throws, Florida State comes out of that game with a win. And that's just something they're going to have to learn. A lot of these fouls were just hustle plays, like over the backs, chasing rebounds. It wasn't like they, they were playing bad defense for the most part. Their defense was really good. You know, going into halftime, Clemson's three leading scorers hadn't scored a single bucket. They'd combined 0 of 8 shooting for two points from the free throw line. Then the second half, yeah, they got going, but some of them were tough shots. The last three or four minutes, there were open shots, but, I mean, that's just part of the game. It, the game really started, like, the game went away in that stretch from about the 10-minute mark to the 6-minute mark where we had a, a really bad lineup out there just because we were trying to give our guys a break. Mm-hmm. MJ Walker's on the bench. Polite was on the bench. Barnes is on the bench with in foul trouble. And we were just trying to get to the under eight timeout and sit in good position. And the timeout just never came. There was never a dead ball. There's no fouls. Just really sloppy play for four minutes. And then Clemson started going on a little run and opened the lead to eight. That's that's where Florida State lost the game. And it's hard to overcome such a massive foul difference. And it's not like Florida State fouled more than Clemson. And Clemson was just as physical as Florida State was in that game last night. Mm-hmm. And both teams obviously are great defense, but I feel like this year, and I don't know if I'm just watching more of it, I'm keeping up with it more, but I feel like, man, it's hard for any team offensively to st- have any kind of momentum on offense when it's just foul after foul after foul. Like, how do you get anything going? How do you even run scripted offensive plays? I mean, yeah, just I mean, nonstop cl- stopping, stopping, stopping. It's so annoying. Clemson came into the game with the second best defensive efficiency in the country. And it's not like they played bad teams. I mean, they had one of the harder non-conference schedules in the ACC. They played Maryland, Alabama. Um, I forget the other two teams off the top of my head, but they had a really good yeah. schedule and they dominated some of these teams. Maryland, they were winning by 40 for most of the game. They just completely destroyed them. So for the fact that Florida State was up five at halftime, I was really happy with. They looked really good. And then the second half, I mean, you can only do so much. Um, right now, you can make the argument Clemson's the best team in the ACC. And a lot of people were mad, like, oh, my God, we just lost at Clemson. Clemson's really good. Really experienced. The youth they brought in is making a difference to them. They're a really good basketball team. And it wouldn't surprise me come March that they're a one seed in the ACC tournament or a two seed or a three seed. Because just no one in the ACC is standing out right now. That's, that's a really basketball team. Doesn't Florida State usually, I mean, they do, but they start off this way. Do you think it's worse in the way this, you know, usually when they start their seasons, fourth year in a, a row, they slow. started one and one in the ACC, yeah. fourth year in a row. Do you think it's worse than that? Or do you think it's just a regular, this is Florida State basketball's it's regular just part, trend when they start? It's just part of, we have a freshman point guard that was playing power forward six months ago. That's part of it. 
and there's a lot of depth concerns that haven't quite gotten figured out. Uh, last night in the first half, Raquan Evans and Wyatt Wilkes were phenomenal, and then the second half they didn't do anything. Um, it's just it's part of what Florida State is. It takes some time to gel and figure out lineups and figure out what works best with the certain lineups they have out there. But I mean, even even last season, everyone talks about this greatest team we've ever had. We'll never have this team again. First game they lost at Pitt. Mm-hmm. A couple games later, barely beat Western Carolina at home, and I mean barely. They arguably should have lost. A couple weeks later, should have lost to USF before pulling it out of their, you know what's just scraping by the skin of their teeth in that game, and then got blown out at Indiana. Mm-hmm. It's just part of what this team is. Go back to season before a Sweet 16 run, started off conference play one of four. Year before that, the Elite Eight run, Florida State I think had 11 or 12 losses going into the tournament. It, it's just what Florida State is. Sometimes it just takes them longer to get get to where they need to be. I think they're further ahead than where the 17-18 team was. It took that team a long time to figure out what they needed to do. Then 18-19 struggled with injuries, but you could tell the talent was there. And then last year, it was it's the same thing as this year. These guys just have to gel. That's really all it comes down to. Yeah. You think they'll, how long do you think it'll be when they're able to get that gelling going on? You think there's still going to be some change in round offensively or different lineups out there? Or you think th- this is kind of set now? I think the the rotations are they're getting where they're pretty much finalized. Coach Hamilton's talked a few times now that he's probably going to change the defense to where it's hedging ball screens instead of switching one through five. And I think that'll help the depth because guys like Quincy Ballard and Tanner Ingham aren't going to be caught in space. They can just hang in the paint and have everything funneled to them. There's there's a chance this team really starts to come together in a couple weeks because these next five games are kind of tough. You know, you got Duke, Syracuse, Pitt, NC State, and Carolina. And then after that, it starts easing, easing up a lot. You, know, you get Louisville, you get a rematch at Clemson. Miami, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if these next five games, you know, if Florida State's not looking like they need to, those next five or six games, you see the Florida State you're used to seeing. Meanwhile, not to break up any kind of basketball talk, but it's definitely worth noting Oklahoma is up 31 to 13 against Florida and the Cotton Bowl. Things you just uh, hate and, to see. And, 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 I, I, I think it needs to, to be said. It needs to be said that. that Travis Hunter is the best player in the 2022 class. No disagreements. We just like went way off. Way off. At least stick with me, Nate, on the Florida game. But well, I mean, if you're giving it an aside, I'm gonna give it an aside. (laughs) This this is your football intermission. Yeah. Uh, But no, I, I think obviously Austin was telling me and Dustin, they both were telling me to drink. Uh, for this Clemson game, which I did, and I'm glad I did because it was a good chance that Clemson would take this one away. But uh, what, what, what did I say in the crew that you know this just felt like a game that Clemson was going to win? Those first the, I, f- the first five minutes were the ugliest five minutes of basketball I've ever seen. Yeah, see, I didn't I, get to see that. I, I, I turned I turn that shit off, dude. <laughs> that was, I was like horrendous. Yes, it was so it, bad. It, it was two to four after five minutes, and I think Florida State had six turnovers. It was horrible. 
Four of like, the first five possessions were turnovers. It, but like after that, they settled down. The rest of the first half was great. <laughs> Those first five minutes, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but go in now, obviously, that's a Clemson game. But in, in coming, another one right after the new year, Florida State's going to be facing Duke on Saturday. And it's a quick turnaround after Florida State loses their second game of the season. Time to get right, but they head back down to the TDL double C. What, what's going on here? You think Florida State is is going mentally going to be there for it? I really like Florida State in this matchup. It for just the way these rosters line up, Duke does not match up well with Florida State. You know the the two guys that would worry me are Jalen Johnson, who's I will say doubtful for this game. He's been out the last few weeks with a foot injury, but we haven't seen Duke play since December 16th. And they've only played three games in the past month. So Duke's got a lot of stuff they needed to figure out. And we haven't had the time to see if they have figured it out. Um, But just looking at it from paper to paper, Florida State matches up really well with them. Their best player right now is Matthew Hurt. He's going to be guarded by Turk all game. And I think Turk's just going to, shut him down all night like he has with everybody this season. Then after that, you look at DJ Stewart, who's a phenomenal shooter. As long as Florida State can recover to him, you know, I, I think I think it matches up well. Then after that, no one scares me. No one Whoa. scares me on the team. Jeremy Roach is fine, but he just he hasn't looked phenomenal. Now he's going against Scotty Barnes, who's a phenomenal defensive player and has eight inches on him. Jamin Brakefield's a solid player, but he doesn't scare me. It's there's not that one Duke guy that you're used to from these past few seasons. You know, last year you had Vernon Carey and Trey Jones. Year before that, you know Zion and RJ. There's just not that guy for Duke. This year. You might have to mute Nate. You might have to mute for a second. Go ahead, Austin. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like, it, I won't say Duke's a bad team. They're just it's not your older brothers Duke team that you're used to them dominating with two or three guys. This is more of a wing by committee team. And I just don't think the committee is that strong this year. And have you mentioned you probably have, but haven't played in almost three weeks practically. Yeah, they, they haven't played by the time they lace up on Tuesday or on Saturday night, they will have not played for two and a half weeks and then we've played three games in the past month. And do you think that hurts them more or does that help them more? That, that hurts. It yeah. really does. If if it was a week off, you're like, yeah, whatever. They got so much need to rest. But two and a half weeks off without playing someone that's not Duke in scrimmages and practice, that's tough. They were supposed to play Tuesday night against Pitt. That got postponed slash canceled because of COVID concerns. Uh, Pitt's head coach, Jeff Capel, has COVID. And if I think one of their assistants does as well. Um, and then they had canceled the rest of their non-conference play due to COVID concerns. So they, they needed a game to just warm up, get back in the flow of things. It wouldn't shock me at all if they just come out rusty. Like they looked like they haven't played in a month because they basically haven't. You'd like to see Florida state take a nice early lead. That would be very nice. Florida state feels so much more comfortable playing in the tuck. What time is that game? I think it's eight o'clock on ESPN two. Let me double check. 8 p.m. Game. 8 p.m. situation. Yeah, 8 p.m. on ESPN2. So that gives, let me see. Let me double check this. So this gives, oh, yeah, I, I get to recover fully on Friday. 
and then be ready for the second on Saturday. A lot of water, a lot of water and food. What's your score prediction? You got one? What are you thinking? Um, I, th- I feel like Florida State just comes out and hand- takes care of business. I don't know why. Just Florida State usually plays to the level of their competition. Like the Steelers, it, yeah. It's, it's just something they do. Even last year, they played a phenomenal game at Duke. They just couldn't hit shots. Outside of that, they played such a great game. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they just come out and hit Duke in the mouth. It really wouldn't. Um, I think it'll be a little bit closer just because it's Duke. They're going to make plays. Coach K is too good of a coach to not have that happen. And I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring than we're used to seeing from Duke-Florida State games. I, 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 I will say Florida State 76-70. Okay. All right, Florida State bounces back. I like it. I like it. Nate, what are you what are you feeling? Eighty to forty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it's like the game in twenty seventeen where Coach K was out because of back surgery and Jeff Capel was coaching, it was the Grayson Allen game where we beat them by thirty. <laughs> I blew it off the floor. If it's now, anything like that, oh my god, uh, on elite lies. Yeah, I, I I think it'd be like seventy seven to sixty five. Take that any day of the week. Mm. I'm gonna go seven. I'm gonna go. Uh, I think it's gonna be scoring. I think there's gonna be a lot of scoring. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 81 to Duke, 66. Man, Stays a little I, closer. Stays a little bit I closer. Hope so. I mean, oh wait, not. You know what? I did it. I did it. Let's go. My gut told me that, so I'm sticking with it. I, I I just don't think this is a good Duke team. Like you said, you know, the best players out, you know, they just, it's not. Seems like Coach K is out of it this season anyways. His his more focus is telling everybody on what they should do COVID-wise, so. Um, At least he's not like Coach Cal who's saying we should have scheduled stuff at such a tough schedule. (laughs) He's playing Georgia Tech and (laughs) who else have they lost to? Louisville. Like, come on, man. Shut up. Yeah, grow up, Aaron. Also, real quick before we get into the season recap, shout out the NBA guys. Dwayne yeah. Bacon with 18 points last night on 9 of 10 shooting. Patrick Williams gets his first win as a Chicago Bowl with 12 points. So there's some there's some Noles out there balling. Malik Beasley's been on fire for the Timberwolves too. I like his attitude he's having right now. Obviously had a pretty entertaining <laughs> late offseason with a few things <laughs> if you haven't checked Twitter. But uh, I like his energy he's bringing. You know, if, People trying to distract you and talk and shit about you. Just got out there and light it up. Yeah, through the app up. Through four games, he's averaging 17 points a game. Like <laughs> I would not have expected that from Malik Beasley. No, I love it. It's been fun why. I mean, now whenever Florida State puts out a graphic where you're showing highlights, God, you could fill up a whole team of them. It's entertaining. Just goes to show what Leonard Hamilton and the ride he's been on. He's hot lately putting these guys out there and ha- they're finding success getting paid too it's very fun to watch and cover because we really mainly talk about nfl knolls but it's nice to actually touch on some nba guys and also need to mention too uh, some sad news i didn't have it on the docket but former no obviously star running back the vikings dalvin cook's father passed he won't be playing this upcoming weekend obviously He's flown down to Miami to spend time with family, but best of wishes and prayers for the Cook family. Um, 
you just hate to see that happen to such a good guy, but also a family that's very, very close in how uh, they grew up. And it's just tough to see that ever. And has had an incredible season too, but that doesn't even matter to him at all right now. So best prayers and wishes to their family as they go through that. Uh, all right. So let's get to some uh, positive stuff here, Austin and Nate. Uh, Florida State's 2020 football season, right? That was awesome. We all had fun. Did you say positive? Great. Yeah. I thought it was great. Said positive? I thought it was amazing, Austin. I thought we just had the brightest time of our life. Uh, this wall right here of Natty Ice grew very quickly. I didn't think that it was going to grow as much. Willie Taggart did a lot of this to me, but um, COVID-19 did this to me. This is what COVID did. But Florida State's 2020 football season recap is here. Let's do it. Florida State ends off the season three and six. Mike Norvell's first year as head coach in Tallahassee for the Seminoles. Only wins are against, uh, well, Duke, which was just the most recent win, the last one of the season, last game of the season for Florida State. Uh, after that, the first game of the season, Jacksonville State Gamecocks ended up winning that one 41 to 24. And then we all know about this one. And I was there for it. Florida State took down number five, North Carolina, uh, 31 28 in a big time first half experience and then the second half was a complete 180 by the Florida State Seminoles were able to hold on to it but those are the three wins of the season gentlemen a lot of cancellations a lot of uh, getting used to new things a lot of protocols almost a month off of playing a football game before they faced uh, the Blue Devils and were able to get a win there but just open discussion here thoughts on uh, how the season ended and how it started just uh Give any takes and we can just have discussion. Get your drinks. If you haven't gotten your drinks yet, I would suggest grabbing another one because that's what I'm about to do. I, th I think we all started the season with such high hopes because of what Norvell had done at Memphis and the offense he was bringing with him. And again, we overlooked just how bad the culture in the locker room was and how much he needed to turn this roster over. We realized that about halfway through. Like once these guys started opting out and started, we started playing the young guys a little bit. You know, a lot of us were predicting what, like nine and two, eight and three, seven and four before the season. And now looking back at it, we're, like, we're pretty stupid. Yeah. You might have to mute it again, Nate. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think we all like missed out on thinking about the locker room effect. This has been a struggling situation in Tallahassee for years now and it's really went to effect and you know Mike Norvell probably was told about it beforehand and the interview that he had with the administration and Thrasher and Coburn but you really don't find out until you're in it you don't find out which players are really causing concern and building your chemistry and having a team culture that is successful on the field you got to be first of all you got to build it inside with one another. You got to find the way to fight. You got to find the way to, um, I don't know, be more 
uh, successful on the field, but that's got to start in the locker room. And Florida State has had really bad past the last four or five years of just a locker room that's not on the same page. Guys that are on, aren't on the same track as one another, and it's hurt them terribly. And some of it goes to social media. Some players calling each other out, not on the same page. We talked about it earlier whenever the COVID-19 protocol was being introduced for Florida State, and they just weren't on the same page. And it's been been, – it sucks. It really doesn't help a team find wins. Well, hope and excitement, it can can really clog your judgment. And, you know, I I agree with what Austin said. I think that – a lot of fans were excited about the potential of the offense. Uh, you know, even with the question marks at quarterback, I think we all understood and knew that, you know, Batman had limitations. You know, there were still question marks at at, at the offensive line. Um, you know, there was still, you know, hope, though, because of, uh, of Terry and, you know, guys who would be solid at running back and, you know, a, 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 an offense that features tight ends and with Cam McDonald. So you thought that the offense would still be able to to produce. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, all that hope and excitement went away week one against Georgia Tech. And, and I think the, the realization smacked everyone in the face, realizing just how much the, and how far this team has to go. You know, it, it, it's not just on the field. It was, you know, we, we've talked about, we beat, the horse completely to death about culture and buy-in and it just wasn't there. Um, you know, you know, for, for me, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, you know, the, the, the leadership of, of this program has not been there since 2013. Um, and, and it's progressively gotten worse year after year. Um, and, and some of that's tied to quarterback recruiting. Some of that's tied to the coaching changes. Some of it's tied to, you know, lack of development. There's so much that's gone on. And, and you know, it, it's just a continuation of, of the past few years. And, you know, for 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 me, you know, I, I had some concerns with all the social media bitching and moaning. You know, for me, that was the first sign. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, but nonetheless, you know, you know, I'm really happy with what I saw on the offensive line. I think Coach Atkins is and was one of the best hires across the country. Um, the fact that Florida State was more than serviceable, and and you look at you know Lone to Philly, who averaged nine yards a carry, leading the country, if I'm not mistaken, is. Uh, he qualified for a number of carries, so I believe he led the country. Uh, there's positives to take, um, but you know the, the the negative does far outweigh the season. Um, it, it's just I, I I think that you know this whole social media shit going on with bright side and dark side is stupid. Um, you know, not to get too far off base, but you know the premise of it is is a lack of belief in Coach Norvell and. and you know, the direction of the program. And, you know, for me, my biggest takeaway is you can't, you can't base a decision on and, and think what the future is going to entail based off the season. Um, you know, he, 
inherited a team with a lot of warts. The COVID it is not an excuse. It's a it's a true obstacle. You know, it, it was a true obstacle in the season in terms of you know the offseason development and installation and all that good stuff. It, it's it's a true impact. I don't care what other other colleges did, and, and you know, everyone wants to compare you know Boston College and what you know Hatley or Halfley, whatever his last name is at, at Boston College did. You know, probably had better culture and they probably had more more buy-in. So the players it's wanted. It's hard to get wanted, any better. Yep. It's hard to get any yep. uh, a worse culture than Florida yep. State had inside its locker. Yep. So I mean, I, I mean, you can't judge what's going to happen over the next four years off, off this year. Yes, hugely disappointing. You know, losing fifty-two to ten at, to Miami was, you know, a, a kick in the dick. Um, you know, beating Carolina was, I thought, everyone thought it was a turning point, but that was just a, I guess, a game where the players decided to buy in and play the, to the potential. I don't know. It's just crazy season across the country. So, and we talked a decent amount about the offense so far. We haven't even touched the defense, which we, we all expected to come in and really set the tone. Just Be dynamite. Paper. Just on paper, there was so much talent between Asante, who was phenomenal, Marv, Durden, Cooper, Kando, Robinson, just all these guys just across the field, just completely underwhelming outside of a small handful of players. Mm-hmm. I wanted and that, that yeah. led that led more to the I don't want to say self destruction, but underwhelming this season had. Especially when you, yeah, we had concerns on offense, but we kind of expected that. We didn't expect the defense to struggle as much as they did. Now, I, I think injuries played a role there. Um, you know, the, the the defensive backfield was just beat up across the board. Um, but you know, it starts up front. If you can't get a pass rush, if you can't get consistent defensive line play, it doesn't matter what you have in the secondary. Um, you know, lots of youth and linebacker. You know, it, it's just. It was just a shit show all the way around. Everything that could have gone bad went bad this year. Florida State's on a three-game or a three-year streak of losing seasons. By the way, just to throw in some optimistic so, so, stuff there. So, so they they gave up fifty-two to Miami, twenty-four to Jacksonville State, forty-two to Notre Dame, forty-eight to Louisville, forty-one to Pitt, thirty-eight to NC State, and thirty-five to Duke. Um, you know, the only team worth a shit out of that whole list is, is Notre Dame. I don't care about Miami. I still don't don't think they're worth a shit, 10 or not. Um, that The team just quit, and they started a true freshman who was not ready to play. But nonetheless, you know, that defense was just far. You saw progress like the season of the offense, I think. I think you saw signs of life there. But the defense just seemed like it got worse every week. Yeah, and going back to like the offseason before I'd give some thoughts too on the defense. In a situation where I don't think this team was on the same page from the very beginning, it starts whenever Marvin Wilson called out his head coach on social media. His, his mm-hmm. coach had just arrived there practically, called him out on social media. Caught a hot storm on national media, obviously. If anything happens in Tallahassee, it's going to go to ESPN within an hour. If it's any kind of going to give any kind of negative 
uh, momentum or negative kind of role and hurting Florida State. The ESPN is going to be all, all over it. So, obviously, going after Mike Norvell and saying that there was some miscommunication of not him messaging one-on-one with players – but from what we heard, and we were all over it that night and hearing about the situation, there were numerous. There was a group. There was more than a handful of players that weren't on the same page yep. as Marvin Wilson. And they just weren't. A lot of them were younger. A lot of them, I mean, we were hearing things from a starter on defense that they, they practically weren't about it. You know, there were some – Obviously, Marvin Wilson said they weren't going to partake in workouts. That was really, on his side of things, just maybe a handful of players that were going to do that. Mm-hmm. The other side were going to be there at workouts, which they sure were. Well, one of them, Asante Samuel Jr., Amari Gaynor, plenty of others, they were there that next morning ready to work out. Um, there was a very thin group that ended up not – I wasn't planning on working out because of being on Marvin Wilson's side. And, 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 but and, and it, it sucks, though, because Marvin Wilson was going to be – is your alpha dog in the locker room. He is supposed yeah. to be your big leader. But when it happens to be where he just has a handful of people supporting him and then you've got a majority of the team at workouts the next morning and at their workouts in the afternoon, that already isn't setting a great tone in the head in the next season, in my opinion. And, and then you look at – you know, later in the later in the season, you hear during the during the bye week, a bunch of players wanting to boycott practices and workouts, and it was the same handful of players that you just mentioned that were the ones supposed to be leading that. I mean, it, it's just extremely discouraging. And you know, Florida State's not going to win jack squat when when you have your supposed best players as the ones leading the brigade to not want to practice and not want to work out and not want to put in the work. It's just, it doesn't add up. Yeah. And we, Los is on here and he's talked about it enough, but you talk to a lot of Knowles in 2011, 12, 13, 14, that wouldn't even be an option. That wouldn't even be a thought process for about 99% of the team here. That's about a 60, 40 situation. That's mm-hmm. got to be changed in order you're, and if you're going to find any kind of wins, even against teams that you shouldn't be losing to, you've got to find a different attitude, a different want to, a different get after it, change your mentality. I think this team's got to work on mental before physical, in my opinion. They've got the physical attributes. They had a great offseason with Coach Storms, did a great job doing what he needed to do with a few guys. But the mental state is something this offseason I hope Norvell is is working as hard as he can on because it's been shot for a while now. Every big-time college now has sports psychologists. Jimbo was doing it for a while. You know, these kids have a lot of pressure, you know, you know with stuff going on at home, academic requirements to meet, you know, practicing 20 hours a week, you know, yeah, they have a lot of pressure, and, and but I, I'm also one that thinks that you know, to like we talked about Warren Thompson, you know, it's got to be a want to, it's got to be a desire to, and that stuff can't be, it can't be taught. You have to have that coming into college. So, you know, it's it's just so many things added up and, and negatively impacted the season. Um, you know, and, and until 
the 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 mindset changes until the work ethic changes. It's gonna be a, as it is. That's why you know we're in, on three straight losing seasons now. And I, I think we, we've talked a lot of, of cons so far, and especially with COVID-19 and the delays it gave to the season and the inconsistency it provided. The fact that Norvell can get some of these bad culture guys out of here with no punishment to APR, mm-hmm. could play the young guys and not have them lose a season, I think that's I think that helps a lot. You got You get to see what you have and the guys that really want to be here and wanted to buy in and get the guys out of there with no penalty to the rest of the team. I, th- I think that's important. If this happens in a normal year where, you know, you, you can't get these guys out of here, how does next season look? It may be an even longer rebuild. But now that you can get these guys out of here that, you know, we've been calling them mental midgets all season. Now that these guys mm-hmm. are gone, you know, may- maybe we can go into next season with a little bit of a brighter outlook. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I want to address that list a little bit. Um, you know, when I put that out there, that wasn't a locked. Every everyone's going to to leave. It was just what we had heard at the time. And I, I think when you look at the list, the guys who had to leave left. And that was um, in October. Yep, and, and you know, you look at Dante Lucas, who pretty much begged to stay. Um, you know, I, I expect, you know, if, if this he does say, yeah, he, he's going to be on a short leash. But you look at, you know, the, you look at the, like Austin said, the youth, that there was a youth movement as the season went on. I think that's when you saw more effort. And, you know, you look at a, a Robert Scott who is getting recognition as a preseason or a freshman All-American. You look at Tua Philly. You look at, uh, you know, on, on defense with the linebackers with Dixon. And, and DJ Lundy, you look at the defensive backfield with Sidney Williams getting a lot of playing time. You know, you know that is going to help them more than anything. You know, having that that playing time under their belt and without losing losing any uh, any any uh, academic or you know whatever you want to came and say it right now because I'm watching Florida getting their ass whipped, but. Um, <laughs> But, you know, they're not losing the season of eligibility. So, you know, they've been through it. It's, they're going to learn from it. Um, the the, the team's going to be fine. What's crazy, too, let's go to the, another name. We talked about Marvin Wilson. It's Rayon Terry. Disappointing. Was it the first part of the season? Didn't hear much about him. Wasn't much mm-hmm. of anything. Gets hurt, isn't fully healthy. I'll give him props for the Notre Yeah, I'll give him props for another damn game though. I'll give him props for that game. He 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 pushed through an injury and, and played really well. Yeah, yeah. You could tell he was struggling with injuries that game. He was. Mm-hmm. There's a few breaks. He was really slow in and out of. And the fact he put up over 100 yards, it was just dynamic all game. It was was a testament to him that game but for the most part you, you still expected a little bit more mm-hmm. um and he, he may have not have gone about about leading the right way um i know we had what a 45 minute disagreement on that between los and nate mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a good that needs to be in the top 10 of the episodes this year um but i feel like that was still a move that needed to happen as, as talented as he was it, it was something that needed to happen mm-hmm. for sure 
And I, I, I'm interested to see, you know, the route for him. Obviously, he signed with an agent and is going to be prepping for the NFL combine. But I think, a whole, I think there's a whole 180. I think there's a, yeah, with Rick Ross's. Uh, I mean, come on, dude. Really? But I think it's pretty interesting to see the whole 180 from, like, let's say, Asante Samuel Jr. to to Mary Ontario. I think they're just on different levels on who I think is going to last longer. My money is mm-hmm. all on Asante Samuel Jr. just off of work ethic plus his ego isn't at the same level as maybe where Perry's is. Um, and, that, and that's going to play a vital part in him and or he's having interviews talking with scouts and such but he was supposed to be a big vital role in this offense this season and that just wasn't the case we had a graphic made for both for Blackman, marvin wilson and tamara terry had been on my locks during this entire season and that, that was completely wiped um definitely once marvin wilson decided to uh opt out for the rest of the season so i mean it was just a complete wash of what we thought would be you know that's as bad as you can say yeah it was fun to see jordan travis and you know what he can do with the ball in his hands but i think we're fooling ourselves if we want to make him the 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 future of the team i think we're fooling ourselves and that was that was another discussion we had like a month and a half ago you know as as great as he played he's not a norvell kind of guy no, Norvell he, made it work because he had to, but it's not what the team needs to be moving forward. You know, that was just, in my opinion, good coaching. You have Al Sackins who, you know, ran, ran that, you know, option shotgun stuff at Tulane as an offensive coordinator. You got Dillingham and, and Norvell who are super creative play callers. They made do with what they had, you know, as soon as they realized that Blackman was just a mess. And, and, you know, everything went down with him. You know, Jordan Travis is, is is limited. You know, we – I think we saw him hit his ceiling. I think there's a role role for him in this program, though, as a playmaker. I think that you, you have to get him the ball. You have to put him in situations. And I think he's going to make plays, but he's not yeah. the quarterback of the future, which is why we saw them go get Milton which is why they went after Luke Altmaier so heavily. That's why they believe so much in Chubba Purdy. You know, I mean, we, we have to be realistic. And, and I, I, I think that it's, it's not realistic as a fan to think that this guy can be an uh, every week starter for Florida State. Even if yeah. his role going forward is just hitting threes under the moniker Anthony Polite, mm-hmm. you know, at least he's doing something. Yeah. But – I agree. He's got a role in this offense going forward just because of how talented he is in space. Yeah. You know, he's real shifty in the hole, just avoiding tackles. I don't even know how many broken tackles he had, but it felt like 100. He just, he was able to make so much out of nothing time after time. And the first time he completed a pass, I thought it was a freaking miracle. And then throughout the season, you know, he got, he got a little bit better at it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's ever going to be an average passer, but at least he developed throughout the season. Yeah, there's, so there's, there's something there for gadget players where you can hit him on an end around and he just throws it downfield. Yeah, you got to find a way to most certainly utilize him. I give it to the staff too for giving it a try. You know what? 
throw Jordan Travis out there. He wasn't expected to practically play much of any this season, but the staff gives him a chance. I do wish they would have given him more plays of allowing him to throw it deep. I feel like they sometimes limited him too, too much. You know, he'd have some great deep throws and connect well, um, but then you just wouldn't see any of it for the rest of the season. I feel like if they would have threatened a little bit more deep with him, that would open up a little bit more of the running game in some scenarios and uh, push him off out to the side. But you got to find a way to use him next season. Uh, I don't know if you put him at, at wide receiver or you just run him kind of like Braxton Miller was in Ohio State. You got to use that kind of talent. Not only does he is he shifty, he's hard to tackle, but he's got great vision. He has a vision of a running back. And, you know, if you need Milton to take off a play or you kind of just want to get make things a little tricky against Notre Dame to start off the season and dope next year, put both of them back there. Put Milton, who also can run. And then also you've got uh, Jordan Travis back there. Both players can throw the ball if need be. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that you can use. He's just a, a good gadget player, and it'll be in, we'll have to keep an eye on if he has any intentions on leaving the team. I'm sure Norvell has already had a long now, chat I, with Travis, uh, too, on this, you, but McKenzie Milton's the expected yeah, starter. Yeah, you, you look at what you know, is going on running back. You know, the, you know they, they lose Webb to Troy. Um, you know, they're not, looks like they're not going to bring in a high school kid. Uh, and, you know, there, there's some talk about, you know, maybe a possibility in the portal. But, you know, I, I think they, at the end, use that scholarship in the trenches somewhere or on a second linebacker or another receiver. I think they use that scholarship elsewhere. And I, I think that's the role where, you know, I'm not saying he moves to running back, but I think that he can be your guy. For, uh, on certain play calls, they can run the ball for you and be a quasi running back. So, you know, it's going to have, I, I think that it got really predictable with him at, at quarterback. So, no, you know, it, go ahead. Let's say, what about the running back unit? Looking back uh, at it this last season. Uh, for, was, I either said it on here or we were talking about it before. You know, Steve over at Unconquer Talk put a, a stat out where you know, Florida State um, last year was 98th, I think, in yards per carry before contact. And this year they're 17th. And, and that's a major tribute to Coach Atkins and I think also a little bit to, you know, Jordan Travis and his ability to, to run. But, you know, I, I think that there's quality there. I think that you know you, you're, you're more than okay with Corbin and Toa Philly. I think you know you have you know Douglas who can play there. I think you know Ren. You know I, I think we'll see him more. I, I think you're fine there. Yeah, I know a lot of people were concerned about the running back group overall coming into the season, and then they were they surprised. They were pretty good. You know Corbin may probably didn't have the season we were maybe expecting. Just of from the flashes he had shown when he was at College Station, but he's Ladamian, also coming off an, uh, an injury. Though, yeah, too. but Ladamian Webb played really well. I know he's not there next season, but he played really well. Toa Philly, when he was in, I thought played phenomenally. And the cases there, he did. He should have played even more throughout the season. And then yeah, with he, Jordan, he got Travis, banged up. Yeah, and, and then with Jordan Travis, his his running threat it just opened up so much for the rest of the running back group. Yeah, I, I I've been a big fan of Trishon Ward. Since he came to Florida State as a walk-on, 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and we saw him against Duke. You know, that touchdown run was nice. And he so looked that, good against Arizona State in the bowl game. Yes. Yeah. So he he's not just some scrub walk-on. I think he's a guy who can contribute to this team. Who said it? And someone told Norvell, a player told, did Corbin tell Norvell that war needs to be looked at a little bit more and that ended up happening in the Duke game? I, I don't know if it was Corbin. Someone no one probably did. was. I, I think it was yeah. Corbin. Um, I do think Corbin heading the next season is going to be a big-time leader on this team. Um, I really like the way that he ended off the season. Definitely the Duke game. He played hard. He was very, very, very hard to tackle, and he impressed me. I think that he showed a lot of optimism. I was coming out of that game. I thought the running back unit was fantastic. I know it's just only Duke, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, this is a team Tor- right now. You got to be happy for anything. And that unit, I think, is. Uh, I think Toa Philly is your, your, your primary back. And I think Corbin is your versatile guy who can carry 15 times. But I think they're both really good in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Toa Philly's got a bright future and be interested to see what. Uh, Coach Storms does with him during the offseason. Putting on I mean, little pounds. I don't think he needs to do anything crazy to him whatsoever, mm-hmm. but just put on some, what, what do you call it? Just some, some shield meat on him. So yep. whenever he's getting nailed I, I, like that, he can last. I do think that they need to look at bringing another runner back in because once you get one or two injuries, which yeah. we've seen Florida State, I mean, <laughs> something just uh, happened. Uh, he's about to get caught from behind. Uh, that's a horse collar tackle. What's happening? I'm going to have it on my screen. He's he's uh, ahead of me, so I don't know. Uh, oh, Oklahoma just hit like a 75 yard. Um, I don't. It's either a screen or a draw. We're never letting Nate be. A, if we ever get the chance of having a commentator role here, we will not allow Nate to be on the commentator uh, staff. <laughs> what happened? Someone tell me what's going on here. Am I correct in thinking that even though it it, it, it was a it was a short field toss, um, and the running back is just straight up the sideline for 75 yards. He's caught from behind, horse collar. So they got the ball. Oklahoma got the ball at like the four-yard line. Am I correct in thinking that even though, like, basically whoever wants to transfer out can transfer out, we still only have 25 scholarships to give out? Yes, that's correct. I, so, I wish that wasn't the case for and, this and, one season. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I, I know they're, they're letting the seniors not count against scholarship limit. But, I mean, the sheer fact of how many freaking people are in that portal, there has to be a little bit of leeway this year. But, you know, there's, there's like seven spots left. Um, I really expect them to land one, maybe two high school kids, and the rest are going to be portal. And I wish they could get even more portal kids. I wish they could get eight or nine. Yeah. Just get some good culture guys in here. And, and, and I think they've – Address that with, with you know, the most no. important position at quarterback, um, but you know the, the team takes the you know the the attitude and the personality of the quarterback. And Florida State's had nothing but shitheads, especially on Oklahoma. Love it. Um, <laughs> love to see I, it. I love to see it. Uh, no, no, holding. Never mind. It's coming back. But anyways, you know, you know Florida State hasn't had. You're fired. Good leadership at quarterback. So, you know, I think that's been addressed. I think that's one reason why hurting, losing, you know, Luke Altmaier hurt because, you know, we spent a lot of time on him. You know, the kid's, the kid's a leader and he's going to 
he's going to go for it. Um, but I think they address it with, with Purdy and now with Milton. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think it says a lot just about the quarterback situation since Jameis left that the best leader they've had in that locker room is what, Everett Golson? Sean McGuire? Yes. Like, Sean McGuire. Sean McGuire has <laughs> probably been the most consistent leader. That's not great. Just no, you put it you, lightly. You look at Malik Henry, the Joshua, or DeAndre Johnson, Francois, you know, Fr- Francois, Blackman, you know, yeah, Alex Honeybrook. Don't get me started. How did I forget Francois. about him that fast? I think that'd just be a good podcast during this offseason. Just talk about the just quarterback dilemma that's happened. We, we already tortured ourselves enough talking about Florida State football. We don't need to do that. <laughs> no, but I mean, overall, it's just not the season we expected. You know, I expected I wanna... Florida State to be competitive. You know, uh, you know, I, I I think we did see a more organized team um, at, at, at times, um, but we still just saw a team that's not there mentally. Who's going to be the leaders? And sorry, are you going to say Austin? Go ahead. I said I, we talked about the UNC game earlier and how we all thought it was going to be a turning point, and then they just come back out against Louisville and just look horrible. I think that was just later egg. Just those two games were such a microcosm of this entire season where we thought they bought in and when they bought in they looked good. And then when they got full of themselves, they just were bad. Yep, and that's what goes to not having a mature locker room. I mean I think I'm pretty good at for uh during our season uh record predictions and all that when we went through game by game i said florida state's gonna upset north carolina i think i was one of the only few that picked that but then they're just gonna not be able to do it against uh louisville i thought louisville was gonna indeed be better this season but i just thought you know this locker room's just not mentally prepared they're not mentally right for they're gonna be too high on themselves and that's exactly practically what happened and they just never even showed up for that game i was gonna ask you guys also who who's gonna be the leaders, if y'all are going to predict leaders and captains for next season. I mean, guys. Milton's for yeah. sure the favorite there. Mm-hmm. Maybe yep. Robert Cooper on defense? Either Cooper or Rice? Just as it leads right now. I'd say Gainer, at least de- defense Gainer, probably. I'd say an offense, you know, Milton, um, for Signal. sure. You know, maybe Cam McDonald, Corbin. Um, you know, those three stick out right away. You know, Love Taylor coming back is really good for for Florida State. Um, you know, you look at defense. You know, the guys that say that to me. You know, I throw a name out there, Dennis Briggs, who I think you know showed a lot coming coming back um, and was arguably the best defensive lineman Florida State had. You know, I, I still think that. Briggs and, and maybe and Lovett outplayed Shithead Durden and uh, and and Marv. So I, I think that you know you look at him. I do agree with Gainer. I think you look at a guy like you know Travis J. I think could could be a leader on this team. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't know yet. No, I I I, I, I want to see what happens in spring and, and hear what happens in, in the summer before I really talk about that but for me the only guy for sure is going to be mckenzie milton and there's still a lot of be figured out defensively with the transfer portal mm-hmm. like we talked about the arkansas state linebacker i'm sure there's gonna be more guys that go after there's still a lot of moving pieces on that side of the ball before we figure out 
this guy's the captain. This guy's gonna be the leader going forward. I, 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 I'll put Gainer in there too. I think Gainer's gonna be a leader. But you know, I, I think the coaches got to find out what they want to do with him. You know, he's kind of positionless. I didn't right like now. what they did to him at the you know, yeah, middle I, 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 of the season to the rest. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's the most times I saw him was in end zone packages. Yeah, I, that, I, that, I is, it, that is so stupid. The majority it, of snaps are going to Leonard Warner. That was something uh, that Adam Fuller, uh, that's fireable offense. Yeah, they, they got to figure out what they want to do with him because he's a talented player. Uh, and you, you got to figure out what the role is and what you want from him. And, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of, I'm not saying he's a, and by any means, a Doran James level player. But I think sometimes, you know, coaches have a, you know, this versatile player who can do a lot and they just don't know what to do with them. You know, I think Charles Kelly was just completely lost with Doran James and, and, and didn't know how to use him correctly. And, and that's straight from the horse's mouth of people who were there. And I think it's mm-hmm. a little bit of the same with Gaynor. Fuller didn't really know what they could get out of him and what to do with him. And the that fact stinks. that the fact that this team struggled so much, uh, had 10 sacks on the season and, and Gaynor showed as a freshman, the ability to get to the quarterback, you know, you at least could have made him, you know, a, a, a pass rusher at minimum, you know, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the coaches as a whole, you know, the, they're not beyond, you know, conversation about this season. You know, you know, they're just not. And I think that we saw some some situations on defense because of a lack of trust and lack of buy-in, and that's got to be fixed in order for the defense to get fixed too. You know, if Fuller's still having problems, you know, the fact that you know even even was talked about or even maybe addressed, I, I would think he's on a short leash going into next year. Uh, yeah, most certainly. Amari Gaynor still led the season and tackles 36. Emmett Rice, number two, at 27. <clears throat> um, trying to look at sacks. Kendo had three sacks to end off the season. Nazaldine comes in and has half of that, one and a half. Um, Corey Durden, half a sack, three tackles on the season. Get out of here. That, f- that, feels, that feels high. It didn't feel like he had that kind of impact. <laughs> Most DBs, I will say, had more tackles than Florida State's defensive three, line. Three tackles on the season. Don't say <laughs> Don't tweet. The, the, uh, the, the number one look-at-me player on this team had three fucking tackles on the season. Don't forget it's personal next year. It's personal though. That's personal for uh <laughs> let, let, Jane let's Lars see, would be. Let let's see if if he can even get the grades in order to finish that at that that eligibility at NC State. I think it's fifty uh, fifty. <laughs> I think another storyline, the linebacker unit, which surprised me a little bit just of the personnel they had in there. It was completely flip-flopped. It went to Lundy and Stephen Dix Jr. You never saw mm-hmm. much of McRae and Deloach at all. And well, I, well, that, that, that surprised me, I will say. I thought we'd see Deloach more of McRae, I should say. Let, let, let's talk about I was, Deloach. I was expecting to see more McRae of anybody, yeah. but just to see that 
I'm not, I'm not against it whatsoever, but to see two young ends and we heard great things about Stephen Dix jr. Still got some learning to do with watching film and mm-hmm. Lundy, but go ahead on who. Let's talk about my boy, the Loach. So the Loach started the season ahead of Amari Gaynor, right? Gets on the field, Georgia Tech, and looks completely lost. It didn't play at all the rest of the season. What does that tell you? As bad as Florida State was at linebacker, he didn't play at all. McCray didn't play at all. So, you know, McCray, I'm surprised because I thought that he would take a step forward. You know, but these kids with every issue that Florida State had at linebacker, you know, after starting the, the season opener, you don't you, – you play hardly at all. Minus special teams or some mop-up duty. I mean, what, what does that tell you guys? doesn't tell me that that person is playing good. So I'm not the only one picking on the kid here. No, that just means you're not performing well. I didn't notice him at all, so this is news to me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember their names, Austin? (laughs) I mean, I I recognize the name, but it's mostly from his dad talking on Twitter. Oh, my. I mean, mean, he he just looked like he was unprepared for for the physicality of, of being a starter in the ACC. And I, I think the lack of physicality is what held him out for the rest of the season. That's just my yeah. opinion. You know, yeah. let, let, let me give the caveat that I look at the camera and I say it. That's my opinion. You know, just yours. It, it's it, it's my opinion. I'll leave it just. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that unit as a whole still got some work to do, but there is promise, I think, and I don't mind it at all that in the early parts of the season, you're seeing Steven Dix Jr. in there. And then during the majority of the rest of the season, he's got to see DJ Lundy get in there. Um, but it's crazy. McRae, Deloach, Glenn, you don't see these three guys that during the off season, we're talked about quite a bit and we're expecting mm-hmm. to play a, a big role this last season. Barely saw him, barely saw him. And that's mm-hmm. obviously on what Chris Marv believed and, He's obviously wanting to get these younger guys experience early on. I mean, that's why Florida State's looking at the portal. Mm-hmm. Yep, I mean, that, that 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 should tell you something. Uh, what else was I going to say? Uh, a lot of transfers, obviously. Jaden Lars would be off to Boston College. A lot of guys off to the ACC, which Florida State will be facing a lot of these former teammates in person. I haven't worried about it. Uh, Corey Wren something I've been I try to go to things that I'll talk about whenever I'm out drinking and I wonder what happened there but true freshman obviously no concern of him leaving blah 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 but uh, a supposed, freshman that's fast as hell and you've interviewed him before yes. supposedly he had a little bit of a hip flexor issue not, yeah. not healthy tough. So, John, John Isaac dealt with hip flexors when he was at Florida yep. State it plagued him all season and even yeah. when he got to the NBA, hip flexors are tough. And, and, and for a sprinter guy, you know, that's going to really hinder you. Yeah. That sucks. Big time. Because you probably would have seen him in there. Yes. 
but we we wanted to see him more kick return, running back even utilized uh, in packages. Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Another right up the short side, short side of the field, up the sidelines for forty yards for Oklahoma. This is the worst part by being YouTube, on YouTube TV. Nate is always a play ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on the graphic of them showing defense. <laughs> Look at that hole. That's just ridiculous. That's tough. It's just also a poor fill by the linebacker, though, too. There's another another freshman. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, it's freshman. I, it's hard. I will say, and that, goes with some of the players leaving too. But if you look back, a lot of us were predicting that heading into the Duke game, Florida State practically had a month off. We were predicting for that game to be kind of rusty and kind of out of sorts. But obviously the defense is a whole different story. But offensively, they put on points. I mean, they put points yeah, on the they board. Did. They were ready to play. I thought there wasn't a lot of like screwing around. There wasn't a lot of guys in wrong places uh, for the most part. Defense is the defense. That, that's obviously it. Uh, a little bit of a concern, maybe even more of a concern heading into the next season. But I thought that shows a true, like, a growing experience that you like to see in a team. You know, they, they were ready, set, and prepared and ready to play. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's, something it's, that you'll take any day of the week if you're a Florida State fan. You, you, there was no clumsiness, no lousiness, no laziness. It's it, Duke, but, you know, that showed what, what, you know, this coaching side can do with time to plan and, and you know, knowing what you're going to have available. You know, the, the defense was horrible, but you know, the offense was just, it was great. Especially I mean, on the ground. Yes. I mean, they like, they physically dominated. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I really think they got to, you know, hopefully land this, this Andrew Parchment from the portal. You know, Land Destin Hill. You know they 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 got to bring some talent in at wide receiver. Yeah, that, that's you what know? I was going to talk about. The the, the receiver group scares me right now. Yeah, yes. You know it's, it's worrisome. You know a, a guy like Jordan Young just hasn't taken that step yet. Um, you know you you look at at Helton, who I think would be better next year, coming off a year after the injury. I like what you have with with the freshmen, and I know the coaches like all three freshmen. You know that includes um, Williamson. You know I, I think they, they they like what they have there, but you 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 need to bring a proven guy, and that's what Parchment is. I think you you know if you know all things unfold like they should, and you land Hill, I think Hill is going to be a first day player for Florida State, and then I think you possibly need to look at a portal for, for a second guy because you know there's just a lot of question marks there. Touchdown, Oklahoma. Love it. I love this is the way that we're ending off the 2020 <laughs> podcast. Well, only up here, the spear with Florida getting obliterated live only, while we're on here. Only one team in the big three is not going into next season on a three-game losing streak. Or two-game losing is, streak, sorry. Yeah, guys. Florida State right now is going to be the only team on a winning streak heading into next season. You love to see it. Final thoughts, everyone. Florida State ends off 2020 football season, three and six, uh, two and six in conference play. They averaged about 
26 points per game, 85th nationally out of 127. Opponent scoring an average of 36 points, though, 107th out of 127. Isn't in that the a country. record for Florida State? It's got to be. It's not listed on here on this site, but it's got to be practically I, I, close I, I, to I, it. I know it's the most of my lifetime. Well, then, well, you're like 85, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, final and last thoughts. We're putting I mean, this into this. Lake Seltzer right now, okay? I am, sadly. But, look, it's Bud Light, though. But I'm... But you- this is free branding. I got to get the brand out of it. Put your dress on. Okay, here's the deal. That's all I had. I don't have any other beers in here to drink. They're all gone. They're That's all your gone. fault. These are not even mine. That I'm. They're not practically mine. They're when, they're when females visit, Nate. I have to have something that they like to drink. They don't like yeah, yeah. us guys like drinking beer and whiskey. Uh, uh, yeah, no. Come on. Come on now. That's for the... Girls on Game Day podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, that is true. That is true. You know? But uh, go ahead. Final thoughts, gentlemen, then I'll end this off for the last time in 2020. We gave uh, a lot. Go ahead, Nate. Go ahead. No, nah, go, go ahead. All right. No, 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 you go ahead. We gave a lot of cons, so I, f- I feel like we should get a few pros. End it off in positives. Yeah, end it yeah, off in positives. Give a few positives. Yeah. We, saw, we saw more improvements game to game just in terms of discipline and getting things right getting set up right then we did under taggart that that's that's a positive the offensive line was mm-hmm. much improved throughout the season they still weren't good but get another season of Devontae love taylor i think's huge robert scott was solid and i think he's gonna be a mainstay going forward they figure out another position or two you know that's a huge bright spot going forward. We have something to be positive about on the offensive line. Something we haven't said this decade. <laughs> yeah, practically. Uh, well, well, you know, Norvell's known for his ability to scheme running game. And, and I think that's going to get even better next year. I think that, you know, you saw the vast improvement, as I said earlier. You know, 17th in the country on when it comes to yards rush before, before contact. You know, that's a significant improvement to, to move up 81 spots in, in, in one season. You know, the passing, pass protection was still bad. I think some of that is quarterback related while also it's related to personnel. So you have to address that. I think, you know, you have to, like we just talked about, you have to address the wide receivers. But I, I, I have faith in this coaching staff that they're going to, this is a three-year, four-year turnaround. I think that, you know, while we sit here and laugh about Florida, getting the shit kicked out of them. I think it's also just a, you know, while it hurts to say it, I think it's just a program that four states got to look at and, you know, how long it took them to get back to, you know, competing for the SEC. You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, they, they lose Meyer, then that goes to Muschamp, then it goes to McIlwain, and now it goes to Mullen. So, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, three coaches – and to get it back, get it right, and you know I don't it's think like that whole decade really. Yes, the ten years really, and, and that's with you know Muschamp being a, a better than average recruiter. I'm not really good on, on the development piece. You got McElwain, who was just 
he won. I mean, he went to what two, two, three straight SEC championship games and the Sugar Bowl too, right? Yep. Um, you know, there's there's a reason why Saban kept him around for a long time. Um, and you know, Mullen, like we said in the production meeting, you know, he's a good coach, but as a recruiter, he's he's horrible. But you know, I think we got to look at that and, and really compare that to, to Florida State. And I think they're I think Florida State right now is where Florida was at in 2013, 2014. You know, coming off a decent season in 2012, like Florida. You compare that to Florida State in 2016, 17, and things just get awful. And it's going to take some time to turn it around. Yeah, I agree. It's not going to be an overnight situation. I think Florida State fans know that by now. They just want to see some positives. They want to see Florida State winning games that they should be winning, not losing to Georgia Tech. <laughs> Georgia Tech, just, you know, a lot of this, you look at the talent differential. And Florida State's above a majority of their opponents until you get around Clemson uh, every season or Florida. And that's where the true test is. And you got to hope that coaching gives them the uh, for, for, Florida State is still one of the top 12, 10, 12 talented teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And that's based yeah. off recruiting. But there's been the lack of development. And uh, here's that's where, we're at, where we're at now. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good amount of positives to head in the next season. Go ahead, Austin. It's going to be interesting to see what the spring looks like just in terms of how much they can practice because that's mm-hmm. going to be huge for the de- development of this team going forward. They didn't get it hardly any spring last year, and you, you could see it hindered them a lot. They didn't get much of a training camp, not much of a summer. How much offseason practices and workouts they're able to get, I, th- I think it's going to be huge for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of talent on this team everywhere you look. And you look at a quarterback that's going to be coming in that is used to winning. He's bringing that winning behavior, that winning culture, that winning vibe into this locker room. That is, I think, in a send-off, just a shockwave, I think, and in regards to how this team gets along and, and the focus that they're in. They need a winning culture. They need a winning leader to come in and yeah, you know, and, and he's already been to... recruiting. He's already been communicating with the team. So he's already setting the tone. He's already mm-hmm. leaving his footprint already, and he hasn't enrolled yet. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a lot of promise there for that guy coming in. And the offense could have have a pretty interesting year. I'll say that. I think just got to figure out your wide receiver situation. But other than that uh, – it's going to be a very, 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 very entertaining offseason to cover. So I, I can't wait. It'll be fun. But I think that's practically going to do it for the end of the uh, end of this episode. That will do it for the 2020 season here on Hear the Spear. We definitely, this has been phenomenal. We've never seen so many listens and views coming a year. We just were uh, introduced live stream into this and we've seen the numbers go up and incredible amount and it's been so much uh fun to do this with austin nate dustin carlos uh it's been a phenomenal time thank you for listening to our game previews also our instant reactions that we did at sometimes 1 a.m after i've had like eight or six beers 
Um, it's definitely been a very fun time. 61 episodes on the year. That's the most we've most certainly ever done. Um, but there's no breaks. We're not going to be taking a break off. We've got a lot of basketball to cover. So we'll be back here, I think, Monday night recording. So no breaks on us. I know a lot of people like to take a little week or two break, but that's just not how we're going to do it. We're going to start off 2021 strong. We have a cool, lot of cool ideas, definitely guests incoming now. Uh, we're going to work on trying to get some former teammates of Mackenzie Milton on here and try to discuss, talk a little bit more to get to know what Milton's bringing to the table, both on the field, but inside the locker room. Also some other guests that you guys have suggested. So now that it's off season, it gives us a little bit more time to plan and schedule these things in advance. So definitely looking forward to the next couple of months on here. But as always, thanks so much for listening. Listening to Hear the Spear presented by Noel Game Day. Enjoy the rest of 2020. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. Hit that subscribe button if you are listening on whatever platform so you'll be notified anywhere on your devices. And uh, we really appreciate it. If you're on iTunes, feel free to rate five stars. We would definitely appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. It's been an awesome year. And we can't wait to see you in 2021. Can't wait. I'm ready to get out of 2020. Y'all be good. See you guys. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up?